candidates are more fearful to move because the market is in a tricky situation. I, I actually ran a quick search uh, on the database that we use and uh, there were like 60% more jobs than pre-pandemic. The problem is that there was a deadline to respect and of course all of the companies have been looking for regulatory profiles at the exact same time and what they were looking for was exactly the same type of people. Most of the companies that we deal with is like the biggest companies in the entire industry have um, experienced quite an increase in revenue. I mean, we're even talking about two, three, four, five hundred percent. You're listening to the Non-Sub Talent Show, a podcast about recruitment, HR, life, and everything in between. Brought to you by international recruitment consultancy, Non-Sub Consulting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Non-Stop Podcast. Today we're speaking to Sim, who covers chemical recruitment in Germany, Andre, who covers life sciences research and diagnostics in the dark region, and Joel, who covers regulatory affairs in France. Now, the guys have been talking recently about markets moving, markets not moving. By markets, we mean employment markets, so lots of jobs or no jobs. Uh, and it's kind of quite interesting at the moment, obviously, given fears of a global recession coming out of the COVID pandemic. So, Seb, first off, you mentioned that your market is static. It's not moving right now. What's the cause? Yeah, so, I mean, two of the causes you've actually mentioned already, you've touched upon them briefly, is the global recession and the coming out of the COVID pandemic. One thing that's obviously affecting the German chemical industry specifically is that Germany in its chemical industry, actually uses 10.5% of its general energy consumption. Obviously, energy crises is a, is a big topic currently. We all know what's going on politically. So producing for a lot of the chemical companies in Germany has become a lot harder and a lot more expensive. Some people are importing a lot more, etc. Um, and in that sense, obviously, when companies are struggling to even turn a profit or are going through a recession in their production, it's going to get harder to actually hire as well. Okay, so harder to hire because there's no budget, there, there's just no roles being created or people don't want the jobs? It's it's on both sides, right? So the clients will have a lower budget because they're making less money and on the, on the same side, the candidates are more fee- fearful to move because the market is in a tricky situation. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Interesting. And, and Joel, you were saying earlier that um, your market was like this recently, but it's kind of moved on and there's a bit of activity again in in your opinion was there any trigger that got it moving is there something that seb can look forward to maybe um yeah so like my my market started to to stagnate let's say last year uh i work on regulatory affairs so that was like uh, these are the guys who are like ensuring that the companies are like like uh, complying to to international regulations and the european union decided to adopt a new set of rules uh, that would like get medical devices closer to the pharma regulations. The problem is that there was a deadline to respect and uh, and of course like all of the companies have been looking for regulatory profiles at the exact same time and what they were looking for was exactly the same type of people who had expertise on this specific new regulation. So basically for a few months like uh, all the companies were looking for people, and at some point, uh, all of the candidates found a job. So nobody was on the market anymore. And that lasted for at least six months. And so we had to find the, we had, we had to find solutions because of this. And did it pick it up at least? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. 
it it did, but uh, but at uh, the point was like you have a, a very high demand for a very limited number of candidates, yeah. and uh, and and at the same time, all of the like newly graduated students couldn't find any job because everybody wanted experienced people. You know. Yeah, there was no space for him for them basically. <laughs> no, oh, it makes sense. What about you, Andre? What, what's happening in your space at the moment? Well, uh, it was it was very interesting for me to hear how uh, was the situation with the other markets because, uh, especially for my industry and for my market, the situation before the pandemic was I, I don't want to call it static, but but it was kind of slower. Um, right now, I, I mean, of course, in the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was a bit scared, so there was a, 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 a slower movement uh, than what we see now on the market. Uh, but as you can imagine, right now, my market is not static at all, just because it's highly scientific, highly technological, and it was basically uh, my industry was supporting the backbone, or literally represented the backbone of the entire pandemic. So as you can imagine, most of the companies that we deal with since they're like the biggest companies in the entire industry have um, experienced quite an increase in revenue. I mean, we're even talking about two, three, four, five hundred percent in terms of revenue growth. Um, they expanded into different markets, into different countries, increased headcount. So they released a ton of positions um, to us. And uh, basically, yeah, they did. I, I actually ran a quick search uh, on the database that we use, and uh, there were like 60% more jobs than pre-pandemic, mid-pandemic, which well, is a lot. I think you make a good point, actually, in that you um, mentioned that your, your market is very scientific and technolo technology-oriented. Um, I guess a lot, a lot of reach, research goes into that, where oh, yes. a lot of the products that come out will be intellectual property as well as obviously the devices and all of that stuff that comes out of it. Exactly. Which doesn't relate as much because I know you covered the DAC region as well. It doesn't relate as much to the energy costs that the exactly. chemical industry incurs. And actually as a result of the chemical industry incurring those costs, other industries in Germany, especially like the automotive, engineering, all of these industries that have very high production energy usage are also struggling as a result of the same problems that I've covered earlier whereas your industry is more scientific technology technology minded so they wouldn't have been affected by those energy crises probably exactly exactly right that was actually uh, one of the main uh, or the, the most interesting aspect for me to hear about uh, was the movement in your industry simply because it's tied up to that sort of field that mine doesn't even have a uh, even a touch about that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There seems to be some talk from from some of the the wider teams here at Nonstop that some markets are moving, some are not, and I guess in this case it makes sense with the the energy and stuff. But I, in my mind, I can't relate all of them back to that same issue. Do you guys think there are other potential issues at play here as to why some might be moving, some might not? I mean, from my perspective, um, uh, just because uh, within the same industry that I'm active in, even here at Nonstop, we have so many different. Uh, so many different markets. Mine, for example, which is the commercial market, is highly dynamic, right? So, of course, there's going to be a lot of movement uh, naturally on the market itself. Where, for example, like regula uh, regulatory affairs, quality assurance, quality control, or something that's actually not that dynamic in terms of movement on the market, obviously, it's going to experience a bit more um, of, of less, I don't know, movement within different companies. Uh, because first of all, these are highly important positions uh, without which 
companies literally couldn't function. So obviously they're possibly even uh, like well kept or well. I think that's the most yeah. important point. There's yeah. many industries that are struggling internally. So the chemical industry is struggling as a whole, but then there will always be positions that are needed anyways, because otherwise a company can't function. And as, as long as your market kind of ties up with that, then you'll most likely have a fairly dynamic market still. If, yes. if that's not the case, then obviously that won't, that, that won't translate well into your market. The other thing is obviously for different industries, we work with an international company, we work across Europe and in the US. Obviously there's gonna be different reasons as to why different industries are struggling or, or not. Some have recovered well from the COVID pandemic, some have actually benefited in um, apostrophes um, from being very tied up or the backbone as Andre called it to that crisis, whereas others haven't as much. And then there's other political issues at play as well. So I guess this is, it's just a, a quite a multifaceted issue. Exactly. And some of them are still recovering, actually. <laughs> some of them still haven't come out of, uh, out of that, um, the, the situation that, that basically hit them within the pandemic. So, so aesthetic market then, what, um, obviously, there's pro probably going to be a lot of um, cause for concern amongst both employers and uh, employees. What do you guys think it means for them specifically? And is there any advantages or disadvantages for them? Yeah, actually, I think in, in my market, when, when the market's very static, it's actually a great time to move. It, it works quite similarly to how in the stock market, when the market's down, that's actually a great time to invest. When the market's static, as we've kind of touched on before, companies do need certain positions to be filled. And if they don't fill them, then that's going to be very detrimental to their business and to their actual economic workings. When that's the case, someone that's very qualified actually has a great, great chance to secure an unbelievable position. Oh, 100%. For qualified people, you can actually get really good deals at the moment. Companies are willing to pay a lot for very qualified candidates because they need those candidates. And oftentimes positions that would have been, say, two, three positions before this crisis are now to be filled ideally with one person that's unbelievably qualified. Exactly. And if you are that person, it's a great time to move. Yeah, that's actually happening. Um, or I mean, I, mean I, I agree and disagree at the same time. But again, it's, it's different markets, different industries. So it, it would kind of make sense to be a bit different. Because in my industry, uh, a static market for the employees would actually mean that um, just as just as as Sab mentioned, either they're developing into um, hybrid roles, so they get either more responsibilities or uh, wider territories from their uh, from their employers, which is kind of attractive for them because they it's going to make them more attractive uh, on the market later on, and they have like a proper sense of developing themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but um, at the same time, uh, just as uh, just as I've mentioned. Since there's going to be less active roles, there's going to be a high level of competition on the top qualified candidates, which um, um, it, it kind of happens right now even. <laughs> um, whereas, for example, for the job seekers, so the people that are, are currently unemployed, um, obviously there's going to be a lot of competition on their head as well, since um, it's basically easier to, to recruit someone that's actively looking for a position um, because the employees within a static uh, situation within my market are actually 35% less likely to say yes, uh, just like in the real estate business. I mean, if the, if the market yeah. is not moving, um, obviously you would have a bit of more risk to put your property out there on the market. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people are fundamentally risk averse, aren't they? Yes, 100%. Yeah, of course. Of course. 
Well, it'd be interesting to hear what happened from a static market that's recovered, how that's looking now. Well, let's say my market is a bit different on like on this thing, on this thing that um, like uh, jobs like job seekers have the power, like experienced experienced candidates have the power because so many companies are looking for them. So you as a company have to to do a few sacrifices to to adapt your position. Uh, mainly to in order to be able to recruit. Uh, I'm, oh, yes. thinking, I'm thinking mostly about like because also like uh, France, for example, is very rich in like small medical devices companies who are, which are scattered across the across the country. Some are located in very very remote positions like locations, and it's really a challenge uh, to to attract good candidates because like you can play you can still play on many things like if your project is great you have like great atmosphere like great company culture okay you could uh, you can put all of this forward the thing is that experienced candidates usually have their own lives their own families they are already settled they don't necessarily want to move to let's say northern france that's super interesting because i think that's actually a big problem that i'm seeing in the industry in germany at the moment germany has a lot of what we call mittelstand so a lot of the companies in germany the base of the industry is actually companies that are kind of say 50 at its smallest, maybe 800 to 900 employees at its biggest. And those companies oftentimes won't be able to attract or actually be able to actually fill positions with the talent that bigger companies can. So for example, they won't have the IT infrastructure to be able to offer remote work. They won't be able to have as international uh, candidates. Germany has a great um, wave of immigration and great talent coming from other countries around the world. Those people, those candidates oftentimes don't speak German as well or to as much of a level. But if, if it's a small company somewhere in Bavaria, in a rural area, the candidates need to speak German because otherwise they won't be able to con- communicate with production, etc. Right. So actually what you're seeing in this crisis is that the bigger companies that can offer more flexibility, etc., for those very highly attractive candidates actually will have or will come out of the industry even bigger or even more successful. Always. Smaller companies can't actually accommodate for those kind of candidates. Always. So how do those smaller companies compete? Can they even compete at this current time? I think there's definitely a philosophy shift that needs to happen and that is happening. Um, a lot of them are trying to implement new IT systems in order to offer some of the flexibilities that others can work. There's obviously a, a wider conversation to be had about um, international applicants, etc. Um, so there is something to compete with. You also need to understand that the smaller companies are in a very specific niche. So while the industry as a whole is affected, if you're then also in a very specific niche for a very specific purpose, and the wider industry shuts that niche out because it might be an, not be an essential one, then you're in danger. Whereas a bigger company like I work in the chemical industry, like the BASFs, the Lanxess, the Covestros of the world. If one of their business units fails, then they'll reprioritize towards another one. Again, smaller company can't necessarily do that. I get it. For uh, for example, in uh, in my situation, that's actually not um, not true at all. Because, um, for example, I, I've actually seen and we've started collaborating within the pandemic situation or within the pandemic. Um, 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 especially in the past couple of years, we started collaborating with some smaller companies, which if you would take a look at their numbers, um, you, you would say they, they wouldn't stand a, a chance with the, with the big players on the market. Yet, mm-hmm. um, they 
simply stand a chance because again, my market and my industry is highly scientific. So for example, if you bring out a new innovation, for example, in high pressure liquid chromatography, if you come up with a new instrument or new um, faster or quicker method to do that, that's obviously gonna stand um, or it's gonna appeal to, to scientists or to, to sales specialists especially, which are currently selling an outdated version yeah. of the product, especially because those kind of companies are very familiar with the fact that they're kind of small and they, they want to, to penetrate the market. So of course, they're going to have competitive salaries, competitive benefits. Um, they're going to offer um, senior positions, senior titles. So uh, yeah, it depends on the industry, I guess. I guess the difference then between your industry and my industry would be that, yeah. again, your industry is for something that's, I guess, more essential or that there's something where it's building upon what's been used in the past. It's ever growing. It's okay. still developing. Whereas the chemical industry has so many applications, it's used in pharma, agro, automotive, in so many different industries, that a lot of them are consumer-related goods that aren't going to be bought in crisis. So we, we, we touch upon the economic crisis. People won't be buying the newest car, the newest this, the newest the other. Oftentimes, the chemical industry produces for non-essential goods. And exactly. if that branch is their specialization of a smaller company, then it's going to get very tricky. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. As I think like um, as small companies still have like, uh, again, in my market, I, I don't know all of the specificities of yours, but like in my market, small companies have like um, advantages in terms of flexibility, stuff that big, bigger companies cannot offer. Uh, just in terms of sometimes how broad the, um, the scope of the positions are. Like you, you can do so like much, much more things actually in a smaller company than in a big one in which like positions tend to be a bit segmented uh, into very tiny spe specializations. And you can more easily participate in the process also of like, uh, like decision-making and everything. So all of these things are in my markets, things that people are looking for. And, yeah, uh, I mean, it, that, I actually see on some occasions, even uh, even in my market, for example, uh, there are specific candidates, highly, highly specialized and highly experienced candidates that simply do not like the structure of a big corporation. They, they would much rather prefer to have um, a bigger rate. impact in a smaller company rather than having just a tiny bit of an impact in a big, big, big corporation where processes are a bit slower, there's a lot of bureaucracy, there's uh, uh, slower process times, maybe even supply issues. So some candidates are actually attracted to a smaller company, even if it's not like technologically, uh, more technologically advanced. So yeah, I, I say that in my market too. So, so what I'm kind of hearing here is that these companies who are struggling to hire right now or who might start hiring soon need to kind of do a, a bit of market research, basically, and yes. figure out what the ideal candidates <laughs> are actually looking for. So then they can go and implement those processes or those types of roles or the flexible working policies or whatever it is. Is 100%. that correct? I'd, I'd agree. I mean, I think market research is important anyway. So I think there's a lot of learning that companies can, can bring from that. And there's a lot that um, companies can bring from an experience like COVID um, where, where these changes have been implemented. What's very important for a lot of companies to understand in Germany is that the industry will probably recover in, in a year's or two time, right? And a lot of this stuff is then an economic choice, which sometimes get lot, gets lost with some of the bigger clients where you have to weigh up, look, we might have to overpay slightly for a candidate that's outside of our budget in normal times now, 
But in the long run, especially in these times, I work in procurement. This is all economic. At the end of the day, it's about getting the materials we need for the cheapest price. Yep. Someone that's very suitable, very, very qualified, they might save you thousands, if not millions in the long run. So paying 5K more for that person because they want an 85K budget because they have to relocate doesn't seem like that bad of a deal. Exactly. By the way, Seb, uh, what was the situation or, or how did you see the budgets that were released from your clients in regards to new vacancies in the past couple of, uh, I don't know, let's say months? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Um, something that we should touch upon. Um, again, this is something where the smaller companies will suffer because the clients are making less money because the production is going to be costing more. So the yeah. client budget for hiring has actually gone down. So, oh, so really? salaries are going down, if anything, because they can't oh. afford them. Seems counterintuitive almost. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. At the same time, salary expectations for candidates are going up because they're like, well, look, I've got a job. This is a crisis. I'm not going to incur this risk without getting a reward, right? So again, the companies that can adapt and say, look, we understand this crisis. We need these people. So we're going to pay them slightly more now. Actually do attract candidates still and oftentimes come away with a great hire. But in a situation like this, you can't be expecting someone for 5K less than what they would have potentially gotten in times of prosperity um, to then move and incur all of this risk that, that won't happen. Yeah. And this also ties back to quickly wrap this up. This ties back to the point I was making earlier that for qualified candidates, it's a great time because for those qualified candidates where you can definitely see this candidate is going to make a lasting impact in our company, that's where the companies are actually quite willing, willing to, pay. Yeah. To, to raise their salary, right. yeah. get that person in. Yeah, makes sense. Thanks. Well, how, how does it look in your market? Uh, let's say that, um, the, again, the small companies suffer of the situation as uh, high, high demand and limited amount of candidates like equals like very high salary raise, uh, even for junior people. And that's, that's also, again, something that, that favors the big companies, like for, for sure, like if you, for example, like so, someone who is coming fresh out of school with six months or one year experiences in internship or whatever, like was earning two years ago, 32K as for, for a first job, today would be around 37. Oh, wow. Paris. Yeah. Wow, fair play. Nice. So, <laughs> I, so I've, I've seen people like coming out of school, like with one, yeah, one, one and a half years experience earning like 40, 45K in consulting. Uh, wow. Yeah, so some, some companies tell me, listen, we can, this is what we pay the manager. Uh, we can definitely not, definitely not hire some junior at the same price. Um, so like it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit conflicting because like the, these are like also very strategic uh, positions that the companies need to fill. Like otherwise they won't be able to put the products on the market. So... But again, if you are a small company with maybe not that many products on the market yet, so you don't have that many, like that much of an income coming, uh, it becomes really hard to, to start. Oh, that makes sense. So basically, uh, the salary situation or the budget that you um, uh, receive from the candidate uh, from some of the clients right now is increased. Yeah, definitely. All right. Same here. Same here, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting because mine has gone. I guess I'd say. A couple of percent of the industry that have gone up, whereas the other parts of the industry have gone down fairly significantly, actually. So do you guys then think that um, maybe this is something that Seb and, and people in his market can look forward to in the coming years? Oh, I don't uh, like hard to tell. <laughs> I don't think so. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, 
to be honest with you, I think we're, we're in for a hard winter, maybe another hard um, start of the year 2023. I don't know how long this is going to go on. I mean, I can I, I can talk a bit about how much of an impact this actually had. The um, production of chemicals has fallen 8.5% compared to last year, which is an incredible decrease, um, as well as the chemical production has also fallen. Um, the guy that leads the um, association of the chemical industry basically has said that um, in the event of a complete gas embargo, he fears a heart attack for the German economy, oh, including man. our industry. 90% of all, all production services or processes, um, the chemical products are needed in, right? So if, if the German industry could come to a standstill without the gas um, and the chemical industry specifically could be in, in, in very deep trouble. So to be honest, un until that whole political situation is kind of solved, I don't think it's going to get better. It's a very PC way of putting it, Sim. Well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep positive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a tricky situation. I think it will, eventually it will recover. And the German industry, especially in the chemical industry, is very much dependent on its research. So that's always going to keep happening. And we're always going to keep inventing and innovating and all of those kind of things. So eventually it will get better, but I'm not sure whether that's going to be in six months or potentially 18 to 24. Yeah, um, I think I think that's very hard to predict. I agree with that. Yeah. It's a bit like if you asked this in, in, in the middle of COVID, right? It would have been hard for us to say, look, this is going to get better because we didn't know when the pandemic would end in the same way that I don't know. Nobody knows currently how, how long this geopolitical crisis will last. It's true. It's true. I mean, post-pandemic, we, we did see... Um, companies of all shapes and sizes and across industries hiring like crazy, right? Yeah. Do you yeah. think this is something potential for maybe the German chemical market to, to try and bounce back, to just go on a crazy hiring spree? Yeah, I mean, as, as with everything, they would, have, they would have stopped projects, they would have stopped some production on, on certain products that will continue once this, once, this is, once this is covered, right? And I mean, even in our industry, there was this nice little leeway start of the year where COVID was teetering out and the political crisis hadn't started as much. There was kind of a threat of it on the horizon, but it hadn't impacted the, the industry as much as it does now. And there was a hiring spree then, at least to some extent, as companies kind of stopped their actual hiring freezes and actually started going again. Um, at the moment, what I'm more worried about is for, again, smaller companies, if production actually stops because the gas will run out. Again, I mean, a company like BASF is importing 40% of their raw materials at this point. I think they're um, actually importing all of the um, ammonia, which is used in, in both pharma and, and other applicants. It's, it's like a very useful chemical used for everything. They're importing all of that now. Um, so if production actually stops for a couple of com companies, you will have to worry at some point how many of them are actually going to survive if they are small. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's actually going to um, uh, make an interesting situation or th that's going to cause an interesting situation for the candidates or, or for those res respective employees because obviously they're going to have a massive scare and they're going to start looking around. I guess I guess all of these crises uh, end at some point eventually, but the, but the outcome probably is like, regardless of the industry, it might be the same. Like, Small companies have a harder time like getting through it, and eventually get like get. In the medical industry, you can see this like in, in after every like crisis, also also COVID or whatever. In in the end, like uh, big companies end up uh, buying the small ones of and course. integrating them because they see potential because because they have like 
a perfect like um, economic situation, and um, and they, they they take advantage of it and uh, integrate yeah. smaller companies. I, I mean, I think that that's a situation that ha- that happens across literally all the industries and markets. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, although I think I, th- I would I would like to add the point about the specialities of a lot of these chemical companies, right? I can give you a quick example. One of my clients is very um, specialized in wood um, painting or coatings, right? That's their whole specialty. They don't do anything else. That's very important when you have loads of people buying a lot of stuff for their gardens, chairs, all of these kind of things, right? All of those things are non-essential goods. At the moment, I can tell you in Germany, there's a very limited number of people that would buy nice coated, nicely coated wooden chairs for their gardens. I mean, it's going into winter anyway. Furniture more generally, right? So a company like that, that's so specialized and so specific in what they produce, they're going to be very affected by that. And they're definitely not going to be bought out by some bigger chemical com, um, company because there's no, at the end of the day, there's no use for them to start that business unit because it's so niche. Yeah, so companies like that, it's going to be very tricky. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if a specific company, no matter how big or small, eventually it's going to run out of use on the market, obviously nobody's going to be interested in that. Anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you seeing any companies like that, Seb, in your market? Uh, are, are you seeing them implement changes, new strategies, maybe look at new business lines? Yeah, loads, loads, loads. I mean, I mean, chemical industry in, the, in Germany is very R&D heavy. There's a huge investment into the research, so it's always kind of a step ahead. And there's a wider point to be made about how raw materials that are used in the chemical industry in Germany aren't actually um, found or gotten from Germany a lot of the time. Hence why these pipes are so important with the natural gases, because it's just cheaper to get them from overseas. And there's a great infrastructure with the Nord Stream lines from Russia and then other chem parks is what you call them in Germany. Um, so the actual specialization of the German in, uh, chemical industry is in these very specific use cases of chemicals so yeah there's always been innovation about in agro for example to become more sustainable and in specific coatings to be adapted to certain uses etc so that will always happen um it is interesting to see how companies are now responding to the crisis itself and responding by changing some of their production to the more essential use cases some of the things the chemical uh, industry produces such as the pharma related stuff is always going to be um useful and always going to be needed so in these kind of times, you can shift some of the production towards that. I think I think uh, one of the best, um, for example, if we if the initial topic was the static markets, one of the best advices that I can give out to uh, to companies that, for example, want to prepare or get ready for um, for when there's going to be an increase in, in in their budgets or approval of budgets, and they're going to start hiring again. Um, what they can do specifically in, in this market, I, I, I don't know if, I, I mean, surely some of the aspects are going to be relatable for, for Sub and Hole as well. Um, I actually see some companies that, again, are quite small. So right now what they're doing is uh, developing structures, developing platforms, even training systems for, um, for when the hiring is going to start. And besides that, I also see a lot of companies that, for example, um, form different, uh, different collaborations. Uh, that will make them more attractive or invest more into into research and development just to get ahead uh, with the technology. So basically, um, there's a few companies that literally you can see them preparing for war um, for the two, uh, for the next year. And obviously, that that's gonna be um, uh, another suggestion is simply the, the the entire interview process as well as the contracts. 
because the, the more concise and short the interview process, the higher chance is going to be for you to secure candidates competing with, with these biggest giants. Um, specifically, one of our clients has actually uh, done quite an interesting thing. Um, there's a lot of consultancies uh, or consultancy agencies right now in Europe that uh, once hired by um, our clients or different companies can actually go into competition and basically find out what's the industry standards in terms of salary, in terms of benefits. And usually a, a nice um, idea for, for these smaller companies is to basically uh, match or even beat that. So um, that's actually something, uh, just a piece of advice for, for, for the companies that maybe struggle right now uh, with hiring. Hmm. I'd actually want to finish with a piece of advice for candidates, which is, in a time like this, especially in the chemical industry in Germany, and, and I presume that this is applicable to all the other industries as well, you want to try to be as specialized as possible and add, have a very specific skill yes. that is very hard yes. to find on the market because there's always going to be people that want that specific skill and being um, a master of one trade rather than a jack of loads, but yes. master of none is way more useful because then you're going to be paid exponentially in times of crisis and are going to get these offers that are going to be above market rate in this time of a static market. So if you can, if there's any chance to become that person, if you can take some form of um, further education, or if you can gain a very specific experience in your current company, et cetera, always go for those kind of experiences. Try and set yourself apart from the, from the pool of candidates out there. Likewise, in, in my, it, uh, my advice for the employees in my market would be literally the same. Um, just develop yourself as far uh, as much as you can right now. Uh, and uh, surely you're, if, if you're considering a move at some point, uh, you're going to receive something uh, or, or a compensation package well above the industry standard, well yeah. above that. And also, actually, sorry, one, one thing that I also wanted to mention is just because the industry is static doesn't mean that making a move is going to be more risky. The industry is static all across the industry. If you're in a chemical company right now, you're most of the time, that chemical company, unless you're with someone that's big and can't really fail, is going to be as affected by the, uh, by, the, by the current crisis as any other company out there. So if you can get yeah. a better offer, then you might as well take it because you're not going to be changing industry anyways. Exactly, exactly. Uh, just one quick question, Seb. Like how, how long does one candidate stay in, in, his, in the company in your market, like usually? It's a good question. Um, Germany is quite traditional in the sense um, a lot of companies, a lot of employers will look um, fairly poorly upon people who change their work every two years. So oh, you normally want to see people who would stay at least in the four to five, I'd say, um, which is kind of seen as the course in which you can start, learn, and then actually finish your employment where you finish your mission to, for which you came to an uh, to a company and then you can move move on without there being that kind of judgment of oh that's a job hopper there must be reasons why why they're going from one place to another so often yeah okay sure but like may, maybe it's a, maybe it's a bit early now to to tell but did you because of the current situation did you see a shift in this like or so, a feedback from some candidates yeah, it's a, that's a great point, actually. It'd be interesting to hear what you would, what your guys' in, uh, industry would, would have said to that. But definitely for my um, industry, there was a, more of an understanding of people losing or moving jobs due to COVID um, for all of the reasons, like companies going under insolvency, illness, family reasons, etc. All of those reasons can, can lead someone to leave. So there is definitely an understanding of that, but it, doesn't, it hasn't 
changed at all the actual narrative around that. So if you've left, if you've left or moved companies within COVID, then that's kind of fine. But still, if before that you've been at kind of every two years in a, in a different company, nobody looks at that differently than before the uh, pandemic. It's still just as judged upon as it was before, I think. So I mean, no, I, I kind of uh, like uh, rejoined both of you like on, on this topic, like for basically I would have more advices for the companies, of course, uh, if they are struggling to, to recruit. Uh, but again, like as, as you said, Andre, like the main point I think is to be, to try at least to be aware of the market and know exactly what the situation is, what your competitors are doing to attract, to attract these candidates and, uh, and adapt as much as possible. Um, you have like tons of solutions, like, uh, sometimes maybe instead of finding this specific profile, you can, you can train others to, you know, to, to, to fit the positions you have like, also like external consultants who can help you with that. Uh, and also of course, like all of the advantages that you can like extra advantages that you can grab. Um, I'm thinking home office for my, for my market basically is like the magic word, uh, home. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, it might sound a bit like, like a tiny thing or, oh, yeah. or stupid, but like, it's actually not. It, it's it it weights a lot, and uh, and this is what people are asking for, and uh, and this is what you should look into if possible. Yeah, because it it at the end of the day it ties with the work life balance. So if you would be able to to be in a similar sized company, similar size uh, or or similar package, but ultimately would have a much better. Uh, or much stronger or more comfortable work-life balance. I would go for that as well, personally. Why not? Okay. All right, then if there's nothing else, thank you guys. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Nonstop Talent Show. If you want to be sure to catch the next episode, follow us on LinkedIn, Spotify, and iTunes. If you have any questions about the discussion today, or if you'd like to get involved in a future episode, contact us via email at podcast at nonstopconsulting.com. If you'd like to hear more information about who we are and what we do, head over to www.nonstopconsulting.com.